Hi, this is Becky. And Patricia. We are former college teammates and believe that life is a team sport. Our goal is to encourage and inspire strong women, families, and communities using lessons learned from sport. Welcome to the team room. Welcome back to the team room. This is Patricia and Becky with Life as a Team Sport. We are in our October series called Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise currently. We have talked to Amy Park last week about the health of her son and that health journey. And today we have a new guest on here who's going to be discussing the wealthy and wise portion of our topic as as well as how to be healthy in that. So um, I'm going to let Becky introduce her in a minute, but Beck, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful October day here in South Jersey. So I'm really excited to be off work so that we can visit and um, and meet my friend. Yes, perfect. Awesome. Well, why don't you introduce her to us? All right. This is my friend, Lisa Mack, who I get to do life with here in South Jersey. She is a mom of three and she is a businesswoman who ran her own preschool for 22 years, which we're going to hear about more later. And Lisa, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? Doing good. Thanks for having me. We are excited to hear your wisdom. And I did share that with her that, you know, she's going to share wisdom with us today. So um, Lisa, what are you loving these days? We love to find out, like we just sat down together. What's going on? What What are you loving? I love being outdoors. I love biking and walking on the beach and reading a good book on the beach. Definitely reading a good book on the beach in my beach chair is my very favorite, most relaxing pastime. And um, looking forward to a sunny day today to maybe get out to the beach one more time before the chilly weather gets here. <laughs> awesome. So Lisa, what's uh, what's one of the really good books you've read lately? Oh, goodness. Um, I just read a book called um, uh, She Looks Like My Daughter. And um, it's about a woman who survived the Holocaust and um, how many times God spared her uh, because she looked like the German officer's daughter. And it happened frequently. Anyway, I'm really uh, very interested in that time period. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I just watched The Hiding Place again. Um, yeah, which is the story of Corey Ten Boom, which is from yeah. that era as yeah. well. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Neat. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Um, I'm also a book lover and a beach lover, and it is relaxing to sit and um, with the noise of the ocean and the sand at your feet. So it's so nice. Um, well, Lisa, can you tell our listeners what your um, sports background is? A little sure. Bit? Um, I loved field hockey in high school and college. When I graduated from college, I became a referee and um, my daughters, my two older daughters played field hockey. And so um, just really loved the sport of field hockey. But in college, I found out I was a better runner than I was a field hockey player. So the cross country coach stole me and um, I ran track, distance runner track and um cross country in my college years held the record at Messiah for the mile for a while and uh, lost it to some young girl who once lift weightlifting became a part of the training. It changed everything. Yeah. What was your mile time? Um, 
532. Oh my goodness. I can't even get under eight these days. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I just, I could run end endlessly. My, my knees don't let me run as much as I would like to anymore, but I do love to run. So I'm biking a lot more these days. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. So he literally stole you because field hockey and cross country are the same season. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I mean, I always ran track in the spring season Mm -hmm. and they finally convinced me to run year round. Okay. So did you do a year of field hockey in college before you did cross country? Okay. Yeah. It's actually on scholarship for field hockey in college, my freshman year, but the coaches talked and they transferred my scholarship to cross country and track. Okay. Man, that's, Mm -hmm. that's, how did you feel about that? I mean, were you, were you okay with it? Obviously you were because you went, but. I I do love the sport of field hockey, but when you excel in something, you're going to want to do that more. And I didn't, I liked uh, winning races more than I liked sitting the bench in field hockey. (laughs) Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Wow. That's a great story. Yeah. That's super cool. So um, Lisa, anything else with your um, sports that you could share that would tie into something you saw in your sports that tied you into life, that you've seen your sure. sports tie you into life? Anything you want to sure. add? Yeah, I, I often think of life as the mile run. Um, that was obviously my my strong point. And um, there's four laps to the mile. And um, I always look at life as, you know, the first lap isn't so difficult. Um, you know, you're just getting started. You're, you're all revved up. You've got a lot of energy and adrenaline going and the, the adrenaline carries you into the second lap. But that third lap, that third lap is the most difficult. That's where you got to dig down deep because the fourth lap, the adrenaline carries you again. But I look at life that um, oftentimes we're in the third lap in motherhood, in our career, in, um, I say it to my daughters in college, you know, junior year of college is the most difficult year. And I, I always relate it to them as the third lap because, um, the end seems really far out of reach. And it seems like you've been running this race forever, but you just got to get through that third lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. We can use that one for Trisha. Yes. Definitely need to get through the third lap. I resonate with that a lot. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Well, Lisa, what if, um, can you share a little bit about your start in life with your, uh, I did mention that she ran a uh, preschool for 22 years. Could you, you know, just take us back and, and give us a little more of that history and start? Sure. So um, when I graduated from Messiah College, I uh, had always known I loved working with young children and I just really was drawn to it. So um, I graduated with a degree in home and family studies and um decided to work at a preschool first, which lasted only a couple of months before I realized I could do this on my own um, and do it the way I really wanted to do it. I wanted a really high quality preschool. So I opened my own. And um, an interesting little story is that when I tried to open my business in a church um, that I was renting, um, the city told me that the church building was only zoned for church use not for, or a school, but not a school in a church, which is just a technicality. So um, I had an attorney friend who went to the zoning board and argued it, and I was able to open. And 
that was the start of many things where perseverance, um, again, that third lap type of situation, perseverance was really important because um, had I taken the first answer of no, I may not have pursued my dream, but I really felt that God gave me this gift to work with young children and um, help them to grow and develop. And um, I wasn't going to take that no for an answer. So I pushed and pushed until um, the doors opened. And of course, had God continued to close those doors, um, that would have been a sign to me that that wasn't God's choice for me. But God did continue to open those doors. Um, and um, I had a great relationship with that church, to which I didn't even attend that church. It was a business relationship, but I had a great relationship with them for 22 years to be able to operate my business affordably out of that church. So um, I, I um, enjoyed that, that time period, and I'm grateful that God gave that to me. Wow. So yeah, don't take the first no. Yeah. I like that a lot. Well, yeah. yeah, And often no is a starting point, right? It's just a, it's a barrier that we need to figure out kind of where we're at. And I think a lot of people's tendencies is to say no, almost to protect themselves, you know, so that they can be like, okay, well, no, we're not going to do it. And then you can push further and find out why, and then see if there's something we can do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, had to uh, persevere through difficult things to get started. Um, not having enough money to pay my staff because you're just starting a business. So, you know, I only started with a few students and, um, but I had to hire the staff so that when students enrolled, I would have people working. And so um, I had to borrow money from my father and pay it back and um, just really, struggle those first couple of years, but, um, it all paid off. It's hard work in the beginning, but again, you, you work hard, you provide uh, a quality program and eventually success will follow. So you were, you were saying to me the other day about quality versus quantity. We were kind of talking about that, those two things. Can you elaborate on what you mean when you say quality education and things like that? Sure. So as a Christian, um, you know, we are called to always do our best for the Lord. We're, we're working to please him, not to please man. Um, you know, in, in Romans 12, one, it talks about that. Um, it, it talks about that we should, uh, I'm going to read you the verse. It's a, this is in the message version, but it breaks it down really simply. Romans 12, one, it says, take your everyday ordinary life your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So I really believe that as Christians, we're called to do our best work. Um, even when we don't feel like it, even when we're tired, even when we're overwhelmed, to still do our best work because we owe it to our clients and we owe it to the Lord. So. Um, Anyway, that's where I believe quality comes from. Um, early on, a Christian contractor said to me, look, Lisa, I can't promise you that my um, the work I do for you is going to be the cheapest job uh, you know, offer that you're going to get out there, but I can promise you that I'm going to do my very best quality work. 
And so what you can expect is a full day's wages, a full day's work for a full day's wages. And um, that really struck a chord with me. I never, ever forgot it because um, I think oftentimes we think, oh, they're a Christian. They're going to give me a break or give me a good deal. But the good deal is that you got really good work for the price that you paid, not necessarily the cheapest price. So um, not that I was looking to be uh, the most expensive business in town. Um, I, I wasn't, I was looking to be competitive, but I was looking to be the most quality. And I truly believed that if I provided quality childcare and quality education to um, in, in early, early childhood, that um, the people would come. And they did. We were full. We had a waiting list for many, many years. And um, I sold that business in 2008, but it continues to thrive and be very successful with a, um, with a waiting list. And so um, Discovery World still lives on, and that always makes me very pleased. Um, now, at this point in my life, I thought I was retired, and God called me back into it because the Ocean City Tabernacle ARC Preschool um, asked me to step in and help them uh, get their program back up and running. And so um, I've been doing that. This is my third year doing that. And what I love about it is the preschool that I ran was not a Christian preschool. Um, and I felt like it was hard enough to hire quality teachers, let alone limit them to just Christian quality teachers. But I know in my older years, in um, my more mature years, I should say, um, I have a chance to now teach these children in the ARC preschool, basic things that they're not getting at home because so many young families don't go to church. And I have a chance to teach them how to pray. And um, even just yesterday, these children have been with me for a month now. And most of them came to me having no idea what prayer was. And even the littlest two and a half year old can now put his hands together and say a short prayer at, um, at lunchtime or at, um, to be able to say grace. So that's really neat for me to watch and then to be able to share Bible stories with them on a weekly basis. So I feel like it's like a second little chance in life to, to do the things that I might've missed the first time. Yeah. Wow. That's really, really cool. So I want to circle back to something that you mentioned earlier about getting your business started. Um, Cause I think there's a lot of women who um, might have aspirations of either starting a business or, you know, venturing into something, but it seems hard and it seems scary. And I think the finance piece of it is a big reason why it feels hard and scary. So I know you mentioned you borrowed money from your dad, but can you just talk a little bit about how the finances worked, especially those first couple of years and how you were able to navigate all of that? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I have always been, um, very much of a penny pincher, if you would. I'm very always looking for good deals, buying things on sale and that type of thing. And I didn't do it any differently in my business. I really tried to pay attention to where the best prices were to be able to supply my business. Um, and um, I think another key piece that comes into that financial part is that from the very, very get-go, I recognized that God gave me that business and it was my not only my obligation, but my um, privilege to be able to give back to the Lord. So even when I was making very little money and 
not even enough to live on. It was still critically important to tithe. And I tithed on money I didn't even, couldn't even afford to give up. And um, I truly believe that God blessed my business because I tithed. And um, so I, I think that that's an important piece to the financial part of it. But, um, you know, eventually um, the business grew actually very quickly. More When I look back, I'm surprised how quickly it did grow to the point where I was able to support myself on it. I was single at the time, was able to support myself. And then eventually the really neat thing about it was that um, as I became married and, and a mother of three girls, um, that they were able to come to the preschool and they were able to still be with me but have this great experience in preschool of being with mom, but being able to be with lots of friends and have lots of really fun activities. And they often speak very fondly of that. And even when they were in grade school, they loved to spend their days off with me at work because they still found it really fun to be there. And interesting is that my oldest, my oldest daughter is now an early childhood teacher and, um, and, and works works with uh, special needs children, first to third grade. But um, all three of my children are really, really good with kids because they had that early exposure. But uh, so anyway, financially, I think it's good to be um, frugal, to be prudent, to be wise, and um, to make good choices with your money, to tithe, and then to save. Really, really important. Once I got myself to a point where... I was tithing and able to pay my bills now to very quickly in my personal life, live also on a budget and to um, put money in savings. And so by the time I was 25 years old, I was able to buy my first house. I had saved up. um, So I started the business when I was 21. And by the time I was 25, I had saved up $30,000 to put as a down payment on a house, which isn't a lot now, but back then, was and it um i i look at it as you know i was just um really good about saving and putting that money aside every month could we could you um i'm not really circle back but could you talk about what tithing is because we have a lot of listeners that don't aren't christians and don't go to church possibly and we would love to encourage them and and um in that area explain our words sometimes sure So, um, you know, the Bible instructs us to tithe 10% of our storehouse of what we earn. And um, so for some people that might mean uh, tithing weekly, for some people that might mean tithing monthly, it might mean tithing 10% of each of your paychecks. Um, I I keep a checkbook uh, in this for as long as I can remember. Um, You know, the checkbook register where you old school, write down the check and how much you're, who you're writing it to and how much the check is for. Well, I keep one of those for the Lord. So in my check register, I write down um, what I owe God and I accumulate it and then monthly write a check to the, to the church or to whatever I'm tithing toward so that I know exactly what my 10% is and Currently, I just do it from my pay stub. I take 10% from my pay stub and either tithe it to the church or to the ministry that I'm supporting. Does that answer your question? Yeah. So in other words, as a, as a Christian, 
all, all money is God's money. So we like to give it back to him first. And then he blesses us in return because it is always his money. So we just, exactly. we just connect our, our Christianese, sometimes our words to the greater population. So other people would understand what we're talking about. So, you know, and if you're not a Christian, then of course it doesn't always make sense, but a lot of people are giving anyway, like they're givers, whether they know the Lord or not. So they are giving to charities and to people in need. And, and so that's, that's sort of like tithing. It's really, we call it like above tithing. That's like a fruit of our labor tithing as a believer. We believe to give, to continue to give. But yeah, you did explain like that makes sense of giving our, our, some of our money goes to God right away is tithing. So yeah, that makes sense. I'm really right. glad you shared that Lisa, because I know as um when you start out in life, like all three of us are a little further in life than a lot of our listeners are in their twenties and um, they're just starting out, but saving and um, saving, spending and giving are just a, a really nice framework of, of, of starting your life and, and not understanding what it's going to be for, for later, but it is good. It's so good. I'm glad you shared that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and along those lines, you also talked about saving and you saved a significant amount of money in four years from, you know, especially I'm sure the first year you weren't really saving anything because you didn't sound like you were making any money. Um, and so how do you, how did you create your budget? I think the word budget has a negative connotation for a lot of people nowadays, and a lot of people don't know how to create a budget. So maybe talk to us a little bit about how you created that and maybe a little bit about how much you decided to put into savings. Right. So, I mean, I was pretty young, obviously, and inexperienced, but my parents had raised me to not carry debt. So if I wanted something, I was always taught to save for it, not get it, and then try to pay it off. So from a very young age, um, my parents instilled that in us, and getting a credit card was always a convenience, not something that you use to get things that you wanted right now, but couldn't afford. So I never carried credit card debt. I always paid my credit card off at the end of every month. And I also um, um, was able to make payments to myself uh, for a car. So I never um, carried ever in my life had a uh, car payment. So all of those things help you to live less expensively because you're not paying money to a credit card um, or, uh, interest and you're not paying any interest on a car loan. So always keeping yourself out of debt, um, helped me to have more money to put away into savings. Of course, I always took every opportunity that was given to me to work also. So not only did I work in those early years with my preschool, but I also waitressed on the weekend. I babysat whenever I could, and that all became extra money to put away. So, you know, I mean, I worked really hard, Um, I felt like in those years, um, you have lots of time and you have lots of opportunity. And in your 20s is a really important time to put money away because the money that you put away when you're young has a lot of years to build and grow interest for yourself instead of interest towards debt, you know? So um, I was able to accumulate uh, interest for myself by putting that money away. As far as determining how much money, you know, you have to take a look at what your expenses are and make your expenses minimum. But, um, you know, and, and 
break that down as to, okay, this is how much money is coming in. This is what I, what I owe for rent. This is what my utilities are. And this is the excess. And then deciding how you're going to break down that excess um, after you first given the 10% off the very top. And, um, and I think it's not as much about how much you decided to put into each of those categories, but, uh, but also it's really important to, um, determine that you're going to live without the things that you think you have to have right now. Back then, um, having a stereo was a really big deal, you know, with a turntable and a CD player. And it was really important. And um, I wanted one really badly. And, you know, you go to the store and they're going to talk you into all kinds of ways that you can have it right now. If you just put zero down and make these payments and all that kind of thing. And you have to have the discipline to say no to those things. Say, have the discipline to drive a used car instead of a new car, have the discipline to buy things currently on marketplace. I'm a big fan of buying used furniture and used um, toys. Um, My kids often got used toys for Christmas. They didn't know it. They, they thought it was great, you know, but, um, but just, living within your means. And, um, and that creates that budget for you by not thinking you have to have things right now, waiting until you can actually afford to pay for them in cash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the whole budget question is a really good question because, um, and Patricia said how it's like a bad word. Budget is a bad word, but it's not, it's not a bad word. However, people feel that way because they feel constrained, but Really, the budget sets you free, as my husband and I have found in all these years. It sets you free because you're able to know exactly what you have and then what you need, like you were saying. So um, I know for me, my husband and I have started to do everything together with the budget. And we have, he made this really nice spreadsheet. And I'm not really that great at Excel, but you can Google and teach yourself anything, YouTube, but I've been learning. So um, for anybody listening, to if you if you're really more techy and you like that you can you know set up your budget for the whole year and this is what Matt did and we have the columns and check boxes and I really like check boxes so I can see when things get paid and then I can see what's still coming out and um I am gonna say it there's an app called Every Dollar app um, Every Dollar whatever there's a lot of apps out there but it can help you they link to your bank and it can help you track things and it's nice to just kind of know where everything's going and stuff like that so. Um, yeah, Lisa, thank you for sharing that because I know um, a lot of uh, young people that are starting out um, need to hear these things and they don't always hear these things. And um, I actually teach financial fitness right now, which is hilarious to seventh graders. And we just did the check registry and I gave them a quiz on a blank paper. It's a blank check registry. And they they were like, Miss Pinio, this is math. This is not financial fitness. This is all math. And they were complaining, you know, because they had to subtract and they had to add. And, and I, I'd given them that their, their pay was 500 a month. They, they got it twice a month. Like, boy, this person's making a lot of money. They were so cute because they don't know anything about money. 500, to be honest, right. Every two weeks for us, that's, that's, that's really not that much. So, but to them, that was a lot. And so it was interesting. It's really been cool for me to teach them a lot of things you just said, because they hear a lot of different things. And I, the whole credit card thing, you know, we all have our own beliefs. My one thing with the students was like, look, you're going to have a choice. So even though someone gives you the choice and says, here, you could have a credit card, doesn't mean you have to take it and do exactly. it. But if you choose exactly. to take it, that's mm-hmm. okay. 
just do it wisely. So right. instead of saying it's so evil and bad, like don't ever have this, well, let's be wise and learn how to use things correctly. So then it can then, you could still, you know, bless your, bless others and do things if you're doing it correctly. Like you said, you just don't carry the balance. That's what, that's what we teach. Doesn't mean everybody's going to do it, but um, it's been interesting to be teaching financial fitness right now to seventh graders that have no money. It's really great because they're young enough to, um, that they haven't made financial mistakes yet. And they very well will remember everything you're teaching them for the rest of their life. It's really great. um, It's really great practical advice for them to get started on the right foot and start planning and having that mindset. It's allowing your money to work for you instead of you working for your money. And it's um, controlling your money instead of letting your debt control you. And, and it really is very freeing. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. I would, I would say I heard you actually describing a couple extra categories that people can add to their spreadsheet, right? Because if you say, you know, create a budget, you're like, okay, well, what bills do I pay? And that's all you're looking at. And you're like, okay, well, I have this leftover money, I guess we'll, you know, go to the movies or eat out, you know, once a week or whatever. And it's like, we'll add some categories in there for things that you're going to want in the future, right? You want that stereo, you want to buy that car, you want to be able to pay cash, right? You want to have a savings account, an emergency fund in case the tire blows on your car or whatever. Um, You add those categories in instead of just saying, okay, these are the bills I pay. I'll just make sure I can pay them every month um, so that your money does work for you. And I think that's great advice. Yeah, Patricia, that's what I was going to say was the the item you add that Lisa said that my dad always said growing up was pay yourself first. Now we we pay God, then we pay ourselves, but he meant savings. He meant, you know, pay yourself first so that in the end, you're going to need that money. So it's nice to say these phrases and, and it's like teaching and learning. Um, so this has really been really fun talking to you about this. Um, Patricia, did you have anything you wanted to add? No, I don't think so. I really think that this is helpful. It's very practical. It's very down to earth. So whether people are wanting to start a business or they're just looking to be wise in their own personal finances, I think you've given us a lot of food for thought today. So I appreciate it. It's awesome. Lisa, anything you wanted to add that you had thought about? Um, I, I think that we covered everything. Um, you know, I just think that, uh, you know, we can have the, um, the perseverance and we can have the talent, but I think that um, when the Lord blesses it, um, if you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing in business, um, the Lord will um, bless your business and um, take you to where he wants you to go um, and open those doors up for you. So um, grateful that I had that opportunity. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And we're not done yet because we have our fun ending here of our blooper reel. We cannot get off without the blooper reel. I love the blooper reel. So Lisa, what do you have for us today? Well, I already said that I'm the mom of three kit, three daughters, and um, they are now 19, 23, and 25. But uh, when my youngest was three, Um, We all know how getting to church in the morning can be quite the feat and um, just getting everyone dressed and out the door. 
And so we had our minivan and we cruised into the parking lot of church and um, everyone's scrambling to get out because of course we're running late. And um, I jump out my side, Jake jumps out his side. My two uh, older ones were able to unbuckle themselves and jump out. And we all ran to our separate Sunday school classes. And when we got back in the car after church, Chloe said, you guys forgot me and crossed her arms and was very um, indignant. And uh, we all said, what are you talking about? And she said, you guys all ran to church and you left me here. And so here she had climbed out of her car seat. It was those old time car seats where the, the, the bridge came, um, the tray came over your head and buckled in. And so she was able to separate the straps and climb out, open the door, uh, sliding door of the van and get, walk herself across the parking lot and get herself to her class. I was mortified when I found out that she took herself to class. And um, here I was in a separate building. I was completely oblivious to the whole thing. I felt like the worst mom ever. And um, anyway... So yeah, worst mom moment um, of oh, wow. in the car when you're going to church. That would be that moment of panic after the fact where it's like, wait, what? What happened? Oh, what did I do? Horrible. That's funny. Well, I thought I thought you were gonna say you left her in the car through the whole church service. Oh, I thought she was in the car, like you guys got back and she's like, you guys left me here for an hour and a half. I was so grateful that she was able to get herself out and get to church. I would have felt 10 times worse if she had been stuck in the car the whole time. Oh yeah. 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 That's too funny. And she was like three or four. I she was very young. She was obviously old enough to tell us about it, but I'm pretty sure she was three. Yeah. Three-year-olds can can t- can remember things and tell stories. Well, thanks for sharing that. That was, that was good. Wow. Um, so before we go, we have one more thing, which uh, we would like you to, pa- uh, we'd like to pass the ball and encourage and support other women. So um, Lisa, who would you like to pass the ball to? So I feel like it's not super creative, but um, I thought about it and I really have to pass the ball to my mom. Um, my mother's name is Grace. And she is 90 years old and she has inspired me for many things. Um, all of the financial things come from obviously my mom and my dad, but all, all of those financial values, but in my mom's uh, older years now in her eighties and now into her nineties, I've really been inspired by the fact that she just um, hasn't quit serving the Lord. She um, recently had a Bible study for the women in her uh, community, and she just literally went door to door asking people if they would like to be in a Bible study with her. And so she um, invited them to her home and shared the gospel with them over the course of four weeks and always had some tasty homemade treat for them. And um, she's still baking. When anyone in the neighborhood is sick, she shows up with a pot of soup or blueberry muffins made from scratch. She's just nonstop. And um, it really inspires me that you're really never done until you're done, you know? Um, so I, uh, I, I want to live my life living and um, continuing to serve and knowing that, um, 
you, as we get older, we have so many opportunities and so much more time to serve and not to, not to waste that time to use it wisely. Wow. That was good, Lisa. And now I know where Lisa got all of her energy. I mean, I have a lot of energy. Lisa is a more shaker goer too. So that is so sweet to hear about your mom. Thank you for sharing about your mom. That's so cool. Well, Patricia, wrap it up, girlfriend. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Lisa. I, I love that concept to, to spend your time living. I think that that is a great message to leave everyone with today. So you have been listening to Life is a Team Sport. You can find more information on our website, lifeisateamsporteveryday.com. You can also follow us on Instagram, Life is a Team Sport. There's an underscore underneath all of those words. And Lisa, do you have somewhere on social media people can follow you or maybe even your preschool? If they want to check that out. Um, well, we do have an ARC preschool page, but it's a private page just for the for the families. Um, you know, I am, you can find me on Facebook, Lisa Mack on Facebook. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not a big on social media. I like to spend my time actually being with people. (laughs) I love that. Cool. Well, if you're looking for a preschool potentially in the ocean city area, you can check out the arc preschool. Do you have a website? Um, we are at the oceancitytabernacle.org. And um, everything is on the Ocean City Tabernacles website uh, to register um, for preschool. We definitely offer a beautiful uh, setting and a great environment for kids to learn and develop and grow. Growing in grace is our motto. Love it. You heard it here first. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. We have loved having you in our team room today. And as always, life is a team sport and you are never alone.